Welcome to WTF is Really Happening. Let's find out. WTF is Really Happening Today. Well, everybody, welcome to another episode of WTF is Really Happening, a rehab podcast for all you rehab lovers. On this episode, actually, I'm really excited about because it allowed us to be a little bit vulnerable, and vulnerability goes a long way, especially in the world of rehab. It allows us to uh, be able to empathize with with the population that we're working with, with people who are um, in some kind of despair. And uh, this episode, I had got to just have a conversation with my buddy, Brian, and we just discussed some of the vulnerabilities that we face day to day. And I hope everybody else can relate to this. If you have any questions or comments, always please go ahead and send it to us. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of our journey. And thank you so much for all your emails and support. We really appreciate it. So tune in. Thanks so much. Oh my God. I, I don't know what I'm doing. And like actually hitting that moment of you don't know what's going on. Like I don't like, so it's a high hamstring. Right, and I'm usually really good at it. And the past two times, just doesn't respond. Just does not respond. Right, the way I want it to respond, and it makes you like, I don't know what I'm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing, and I have no idea like what to do next. And usually you have to have confidence. You have to perform in front of your patients, um, my clients. And it, it was kind of coming across that. You weren't confident. Um, I, and so I had to like say it, you know, I'm like, look, honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know, you know. Um, but it's, it's someone that I've been working on for a long time. So I feel comfortable enough not super embarrassed to, to say something like that but at the same time it's like fuck mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know and the idea like we talked last time I'm like alright so if I do are we recording? no we probably should be if I do go to PT school right or get my PhD in the pursuit of learning more like what if I hit the same road again, you know? And I, and I think I will because there was this lady who uh, I refer to a physician and the physician, like whenever she did neck extension, she would feel sim- like neurological radiating pain down here. It would mm-hmm. skip everywhere else. It would be here or like here. Mm-hmm. Not even moving the shoulder. It was just the neck. She would feel it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is your neck. You got to go. Yeah. She went to this uh, physician that I referred her to, and he's like, it's your shoulder. You have a minor. He did an ultrasound. You have a minor supraspinatus tear, and let's do PRP. She's super wealthy, so she's like, okay, let's do it. They did it. She felt great after. A week goes by. She's like, I'm starting to feel it again. So the whole time I'm, you know, I'm in this mindset today. Like I'm thinking about her because I wanted to follow up with her. I follow up with her and she told me what, what's going on. She lives in New York where she flew back here to have a follow-up visit with him and with me. 
And so I was like, look, if you have a follow-up visit with him tomorrow at 10, I don't want to see you until you have a follow until you see him first. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so, but in my mind, I'm like, all right, so if a licensed physician sees someone, didn't even look at her neck, didn't even look at her neck, mm-hmm. and he's like, he's a little bit PRP trigger happy. Mm-hmm. Was what I'm sensing now. You know, PRP. Spell it out. Plasma rich. Okay. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Um, you know, if if he and other people that I've that I know, if they're taking an educated guess, the best guess they can possibly take to diagnose and evaluate this particular person, give them the best solution they possibly can get. But it's still a guess, mm-hmm. right? If MRI, as limited as we see it to be, how valid is an ultrasound to diagnose a tear for the supraspinatus? Do you know? I'd have to look into the psychometrics, but I know it's not better than MRI. MRI is a gold standard. Not right? that it's even perfect. It's not perfect. So that's what I'm saying. Uh, he, didn't want to, he didn't want to... She had to leave, so in order for him to yield a diagnosed and accurately to the standard as which the patient and himself need mm-hmm. he used an MRI uh, he used a mm-hmm. ultrasound but anyway I'm kind of yeah. you know you know what I mean like I feel like, yeah. it's I don't know if you've ever felt like I, I really have. don't fucking know what the hell I'm doing as as and you're a smart guy I mean I I think you're you're you, you know your shit pretty pretty well right uh, and I respect your 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 knowledge but i feel like everybody has this moment or moments of like fuck i don't know what the fuck i'm doing like i really don't know just talking to sean about that like i'm switching clinics to this brand new clinic where i'm the only person they're gonna see the clinic director monday morning if i walk in i've had a busy weekend i haven't thought about rehab at all i'm going into a blank space and things like fellowship classes and the online mentoring and another huge thing is this gets me so much more amped for what what I do at work the next day and makes me re-trigger all that yeah no uh, no one's immune to I have the same thing I I don't call it burnout I just call it like clouded space like Monday morning I went in and I was like I gonna do today like, I know all the patients on my schedule is that really what's going on like and even if they get better if they got a certain point I have like the Tuesday is when it hit my stride a little bit more like okay no I know I'm doing this week or something like that and I have to reset the whole time like and sometimes I'll wake up the next morning it's the same thing what the fuck is going on am I doing anything right I have no idea but a lot of it like you're saying it's it's the act Kind of, kind of put on a show for a while. I think I was on the phone with people. I'm super pissed. I'm like, gotta put on the act. I gotta keep the act. Makes me funny. It's funny that you mentioned the physician thing because it's like, to me, the letters and all the stuff behind my name gives me a little bit more reputation to people. But what it really does for me is it helps re- reinvigorate me for what I do every day. What I hope it does is it gives me a little bit more respect from the other fields out there. Mm-hmm. In the same way that my physician says, oh, 
when I comment on radiology report, I'm like, I don't really know if I see that on there. She goes, oh, you're going to tell the board certified orthopedic surgeon that he's wrong? And in my head, without a blink of the eye, yeah, we're not all right. Like, and you're not all right, and I'm not all right. The only way to truly know is by being open to what other people have to say. Like, and when I hear those things, I'm just like, like, yeah, I hope I get those letters and initials behind my name for the reason that it gives me a little bit more respect because I do know what I'm doing. Not to just accept it and make people assume that I know what I'm doing, but it gives them a chance to, for me to prove that I know what I'm doing. Versus if I just have DPT behind my name, most people are like, oh, okay, well, I mean, you kind of know what you're doing. Versus like that whole thing. And it's like, and, and I mean, we just assume this physician that you referred to given probably a great guy that day probably didn't do his best evaluation if he didn't even look at the neck right and we know regional interdependence is so important like why would he not even take a look at the neck especially since you refer to with the idea of extension does this like and it's at the end of the day it makes you kind of doubt what you did because someone else said that wasn't it and we all have these days I, I totally agree with you man yeah I get it too yeah like it's ridiculous yeah it's just like it just settles in there and it it's like i i had a mentor she's an ot a long time ago and she's written books and she's done really well for herself but you know she was never satisfied she was never happy and i was like you know 17 18 years old and no more than that i was like 20 22 and she would always tell me you know she, the next thing that, that she's doing which is great because you always want to keep adding on to your toolbox mm-hmm. and but there was a there was a thought in my head that you know she's never happy she's when, at what point is she ever going to say you know what I'm confident and I'm happy with what I am and who I am and what I'm doing you know and she was you know in her 50s you know mid 50s and so kind Did of ever? it circles back and I'm like, you know, I, I have such a desire to absorb more, you know, like a sponge. Like I just want to learn more. There's stuff that I'm missing. There's stuff that I don't know. And there's stuff that um, I want to be able to to solve. And, you know, um, I'm, I, I'm more than positive when I start PT school, I'm going to be so into it and and the learning process and just being in that environment it's so phenomenal as mm-hmm. grueling and nasty and and sometimes Stressful. miserable it is it's such a phenomenal thing that i i know i'm going to enjoy um but maybe at some point i'm going to run into this again so uh maybe the idea should be like hey it's going to happen it's going to happen to everyone and um it's a matter of what you do with it I what mean, you do with it like yeah i like i said i'm a pt sean's a pt we all get those same feelings all the time and i think those days when you feel like you don't know what you're doing is what drives you to learn more and do more yeah until and like i'm never gonna have all the answers right but that's what makes me want to know more yeah I'm just I'm just not happy with the way I'm I'm like performing. So there has to be 
a solution continuous add is a partial solution but i just need something more yeah you know i tell you a big reason is why i wanted to do this with you because it's like this to me is me doing more to make sure i'm still doing what i need to be doing yeah because i want to keep learning more all the time but I think the difference is the outlook you have to have on it sometimes. Because if we get to this point when we're just kind of like, when you have that mindset and you're upset and sad about it and like feeling depressed versus looking at it as this is a chance to grow and keep making the most out of it, like that's what I feel changes it the most. It's like, okay, yeah, no, I'm really sucking. How can I be better? looking into those things like you're talking about and behavior and performance feels like it's dipping let's reverse the curve how, how do we do that and just trying something new even if it is way out in left field you know like i try stupid shit sometimes because other people say it works and i don't think it will work but i'm like well if it gets me doing something different and at the end of the day even if it makes me believe more in what i'm doing in the first place it did its job one visit may have been sacrificed in it all, but it got me performing better, which is, I like to think I'm 75, I'm better than probably 50% of the therapists out there for sure. So if it got me performing better than 50% of the people, it's more than what most people will get. I don't know. Do you ever feel like some of your, like you see the same person or you see the, you see different people but with the same diagnosis and with the same outcome of your assessment, or eval. Okay. We really need to start recording. But the we are wasting great conversation. But the how do you say the and your interventions are the same because you're like, all right, this person shows X, Y, and Z, so I'm going to apply these treatments and I should get the same outcome, but you don't. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Happens all the time. Because you are recording. I knew you were. Yeah, no, it happens all the time. Well, like, what do you do in that situation? You got to reassess. Maybe you miss something. So you go back and you do the whole reassess or you reassess, you ask questions and you reassess different portions of... I ask questions to confirm that I'm doing something right. I'll ask questions to confirm that we're on the right track. If something is different, like say they're having stabbing pain or something, and I didn't want stabbing pain, I wanted muscle soreness. Let's look into figure what this new thing is. Or maybe it's the thing that was causing them pain on day one, and we just missed it somehow. I feel like the biggest thing is going back to square, square one on the evaluation. Right? I mean... Or, or doing it all on day one with the evaluation, not saying that's what has to happen, but day one on the evaluation is when you should be getting all the information, but we know it's not happening. You know what I mean? So you always kind of go back to square root one. Why not? Yeah. I mean, we got to keep What about time? Going. What about patient success? I mean, okay. Well, do you feel like your patients may get annoyed or agitated with the frequent questions that you ask while you're working with them? 
does that ever, and if so, does that ever alter your behavior? You know what I mean? Like, does this hurt? Yeah. All right, let's, let's do this. You, you do some kind of a treatment that would modulate the discomfort to where you can get an outcome, right? Yeah. And then, but you don't, but you keep asking questions like, does this hurt? Does that hurt? Does this hurt? And sense like the patient might be getting a little irritated by just yeah. a frequent question. It happens, of course. Um, I mean, I have one that gets a little irritated all the time, but at the end of it, as long as you explain to them why you're doing what you're doing, I don't think they have a problem with it. And then if you... If you ask directed questions that are related, like, you know, the whole funneling thing of real open-ended questions and going into more closed-end or open-closed questions, um, if, if you kind of start with that and funnel it all the way down and you really start to get it, you don't have to ask us so many questions. And the questions you are asking are just to rule out or rule in a diagnosis. That way you're not asking 20 questions, you're asking 10 and that's way less of a nuisance to the patient. Do you ever feel like you annoy the shit out of them? Yeah, on the evaluation day I do. <laughs> but they know they're coming in for questions. Oh, this is a good, this is this is something else that I was that I wanted to ask. When you see a person for the first time and you're like I got this because mm -hmm. it's something that I see so regularly and you exhibit such similarities to everything that I have seen in the past. The testing, the exam comes out to about, you know, roughly pretty close to what I have experienced with. So this has to be this particular thing and I'm going to treat it this way. And your expectation is for them to have 10, 15, 20, 30% improvement by the time they get off your table. Do you ever have that expectation for yourself? Regardless of um, your diagnosis. Um, going back to the confidence well, thing? I shouldn't say regardless of your diagnosis because right. obviously if you're so confident about the diagnosis and your experience with that type, then you're going to apply. I, but I, I do feel like Going back to the confidence thing, yeah, we have to act confident about it. With most of my patients, I feel like I, I have to have that confidence of what I'm doing is right, and the treatment I'm going to do is going to work for them. It might not, because I probably missed something in my evaluation, or sometimes they didn't tell me something. I had one who told me she was a gymnast for 20 years and never told me she had pain then, and then randomly just the other day told me she had pain and it was all related to her being a gymnast for so long and having so much flexibility and I was like this changes everything like, <laughs> I've been treating you like you haven't moved in forever and for look sure. at you you've been moving all this time you recently just stopped like yeah so I mean yeah those things come up but I feel like they're always going to happen patient there's going to be mistakes right a patient's going to not tell you something you're going to sit there you're going to miss something or simply it might just be something you haven't seen before. But again, you have to have that assumption that you're going to do something right. Because why else do you do what you do, right? You go into the day with the idea of, I'm doing this so I can help someone, right? And if that truly is your goal in mind at the, end of, at the start of the day and at the end of the day, then 
you serve the right intent and the patient's going to get that from you. Like, and, and they're not going to be so annoyed by the questions. They're not going to be so annoyed by the insistent questioning and things like that. The insistent, let's do this test. Let's try this test. Let's try this. And yeah, I've had evaluations that last 45 minutes. At the end of it, I was like, it might be this or possibly four other things. But the next visit, I figured it out because I sat there, thought about it, went home. Or the next visit, they told me something new or I just tried something new. But how many new things can you try? Oh, have you seen CEUs, man? <laughs> there's like 30,000 of them out there nowadays. I mean, there's so many new things you can try. The, the thing is, how many new things can you try that you're confident in? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it just takes time of practicing them. I'm pretty confident in my manual therapy skills. That's what I'm good at, and that's what I use with my patients. Now, beyond that, there are other things I can do. My, I think for most people, your go-to and your basis of support and foundation of everything should be exercise. And then how do I have adjacent skills that help to condone that exercise, right? Every research says this plus exercise, or this plus exercise, yeah, not for sure. this That's alone. Right. You know, and that's another interesting point because we've been talking about pain science for a little bit here. And, um, you know, the whole idea of pain science by itself is not the magic formula. You know, it's pain science with everything else that you have in your toolbox. It's mm-hmm. just when you're going to apply it and where you're going to use it. And which, you know, you can, you can break down pain science in so many different factors and utilize it in so many different ways without it being the, you know, cookie cutter uh, pain science and I'm sure at some point before manual therapy was really adopted by and, I, and, and I'm assuming all these things so you have to correct me from a historical perspective you know um, manual therapy was not really adopted by physical therapists at you know early on in its stages of development um, and to Maybe at maybe at some point when they realize the benefits of manual therapy, they that's the same question probably came up. How much manual therapy do I apply? You know, is it all manual therapy or is it some exercise? I mean, there's a plethora of research that supports you know Tai Chi and um, you know manual therapy or exercise with manual therapy. This exercise with manual therapy, mm-hmm. exercise by itself. And manual therapy by itself, you know, there's different variations in in in, in the study format, but mm-hmm. generally, exercise is medicine. We know that, yeah. but you got to couple it. The formula, I feel like, has to be correct. Yeah, I I feel like probably seventy percent of patients will get better with just exercise alone. This is just anecdotal evidence, but the difference is. How can I get them to do exercise? And to me, my manual skills is what gets them into doing exercise. Because if they're coming in with 10 out of 10 totally. pain, I'm not going to just sit there and say, all right, let's hop on the bike and start start pushing and pedaling to Dallas. No. Yeah. I'm convinced to get them to do something. Yeah. And it, it sounds cynical in a way, but it's, no. like, it's my buy-in, right? No, no, for sure. Because I can... With a lot of conditions and and a lot of my selling points of it is, and the way I sell it is, I can find a way that improves 
patient's pain with some type of manual intervention after I put my hands on them. Yeah. And then after that, I tell them, and now we're going to do some exercise just like that, which you can do on your own. Ah, totally agree with you. Right? I mean... On point. There's so many other tools out there that we have, though. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot of research coming out on taping and dry needling's catching trend very much so now. Um, there's tons of things out there in, this, in the light of uh, soft tissue massage. Right, we all know that has some impact, and there's so much other types of things with instrument-assisted things. People are coming up with all crazy stuff. You go to these conferences, you'll find six or seven new types of treatment interventions that people come up with. And like you were saying with manual, I, I, I think it's it becomes more impactful once it's tried and tested and true. Right? Yeah. I mean, manual therapy has been around for a while. I mean, chiropractors did it for a long time. Well, massage therapists massage have been therapists doing it do for it. centuries. Yeah, I mean, long it's, time. It's all adapted from yeah. other different ways and interventions. And the difference is, you ask the big question on dosage. That, I mean, we keep coming back to our, our number one answer. It depends. Yeah. And it's it's totally true. Though. I mean, I have a patient on my on my schedule right now that the moment he walked in the door, he needed thirty minutes of manual therapy every single day because he just could not do it on his own now he needs about maybe five to eight and then he gets up and he starts moving on his own he's doing so much better like, yeah but it's how you dose and schedule that like you need help i'm here to help you versus you can do this on your own and some people don't need any manual therapy i'm not saying everyone does right i mean a lot of your patients crossfitters they probably don't need hands-on let me do this to your back and do this to your knee or whatever, but they might benefit from it or they might understand the pr- principles of it. Yeah. So, I yeah, mean, I think those that population, man, I mean, I really love my population because they are so dedicated and they want to feel better and they want to maintain their level of function so bad that literally they'll, they'll show up, they'll never miss appointments. I mean, I have a very low no-show percentage. They'll show up. Means you've done a great job of selling yourself and, well, it's They want it. You know what I mean? If, it, if someone is willing to take the time and take them through the process and explain things to them and then give them a, I don't know, you know, a, um, homework to do, mm-hmm. they'll do it. They'll do it. They're dedicated enough to they'll, that they'll do it. They'll do it morning and night. They'll do it two times a day if, mm-hmm. if, if have to. Or if you tell them to do it one time a day, they'll do it eight times a day, right? Yeah, those are the ones we are uh-huh. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, whoa. It's too much, too much. I throw uh, you back off a of running and I'll do it seven times a day of weight training. Turn it down a little bit. But, yeah, yeah they'll definitely do it. It's, it's pretty awesome. Man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we can take this type of time. Like today, I felt very vulnerable. You know, I felt a little insecure and I'm and I'm very open with sharing this kind of stuff mm-hmm. because um, I feel like the more you um, talk about it, the more you share it, the more you uh, voice it with people that you respect, the more you'll grow. Um, the moment you feel like your shit don't stink is the moment you're going to fuck up and it's the moment you're going to stop growing. The moment your shit don't stink, the moment you get diarrhea. Bam. Right. I came from a 
I'm a white boy. <laughs> Put it in a rap song, Lil Wayne. Do it. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you kind of walking, you hanging out with me while I uh, expose true, myself man. like that. I mean that. But I think vulnerability is a skill. Like a lot of people hide stuff like that. You know? Yeah. And if you're not able to admit you're vulnerable or say anything, I only say it's because I'm vulnerable as well. Is the only time when you're actually be able to be reflective and, like you said, grow. Because you put on this hard face of, I'm always right or I'm always doing this. And like you just said, you don't get anywhere. And if you sit there and say, this person's got a super spinous minor tear because I said so. And never accept that the other person who's seeing them might be right. Then now you've done a disservice to that patient. Right? And that's really what it's all about because you had an attitude and were stubborn and wanted to win an argument now are we all going to be stubborn at times yeah because we think we're right but as long as you can prove that you're right then you're on to something yeah yeah right like you're not gonna be right all the time if you can prove that you're right 80 percent of the time yeah i think that's pretty substantial if you can if you can just provide reasoning as to why you're doing everything, then that's over half the battle. Ah, like, for sure, dude. Yeah, like, if you can so, rationalize oh it, you can rationalize it and articulate the yeah. rationalization, then you're ahead of a whole lot of people. And it's got to be specific to the patient. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I yeah. get so upset. I have a, a physical therapy assistant with me at work, and I ask, okay, so why are we doing this exercise? And they tell me, um, you know, strengthening and mobility. It's like, you just defined everything that physical therapy does. You never said why this applies to this patient. Like, and I need to know, I don't need to know because you're working this muscle to do this action or this, but I need to know how that activity that you're doing strengthens something or improves motion of something and for what purpose. But you know something though? I feel like that's part of, I mean, if, if I'm wrong, please share. I don't know about PTA. And, and, and the way they're educated. But I feel like the only time, because I've had some chiropractors work work with me, and um, I really try to instill in them the idea of rationalizing to the patients. And it was hard for them at first. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe it's, it's part of their training. If they were never forced to rationalize on paper using quality research to back up mm-hmm. their program or their intervention or their ideas then they're not they're probably not accustomed to rationalizing it more in depth like insurance mm-hmm. requires you if you want to be reimbursed close to 100% or close to whatever you're billing for mm-hmm. for, your, for your units you you are required to to explain and rationalize what it is, right? Mm-hmm. It, there's a difference between saying patient was able to ambulate, uh, you know, or, or or improved ambulatory capabilities, versus, you know, patient uh, improved ambulatory capabilities without pain, 100 feet or 200 feet or a mile without any discomfort. Mm-hmm. That's a different type of rationalization, yeah. right? And it's yeah. more reimbursable versus just a check mark. Um, so I think it's the same way about having or being forced to 
to document or write down rationalization for the inter- interventions. Yeah. And maybe maybe they just don't maybe they just don't get trained that way. Maybe it's not demanded mm. from them. I don't know. Uh, definitely a good question. I don't know, man. Like I'll admit, I I have that thought when I'm asking them those questions. Like, have you ever been asked this question before me? Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, I mean, maybe, but it feels like you're questioning me or assuming things of me. I was like, I'm not assuming anything of you. I'm asking how this relates to the patient because this I treat this patient as well, <laughs> and it's and maybe I am testing you to ascend to an extent, but it's not to demean you it's to figure out if we're all on the same page right yeah. and i don't know if that's a training thing in school i don't know where when i started doing that but i know i constantly tell patients that all the time like well that's part of the patient part of, buy-in it's yeah it is like when i'm sitting there with them do you know why we're doing this yeah yeah okay yeah. does this make sense to you because if it makes sense to them they're gonna come back yeah, for sure. They're going to come back and they're going to believe that you're doing it. That's right. Yeah. And uh, Most people don't take the time to explain to them why everything is going on and connect the dots and make the aha moment available to them. It's, it's kind of upsetting to me whenever I see a therapist just or anyone for that matter walk up to someone and be like, all right, now do this and then walk away. Because it's, to me, the patient just feels like they're at army boot camp and they're like okay sure whatever or else or else what you know and to me it means that that person one didn't communicate or two doesn't quite know why they're doing it like yeah and and yeah i could simply say this is a shoulder patient so they're going to do these seven exercises but those exercises are going to differ every single time like that's why we made those decisions and those rationales because it depends like we keep saying I got a question here that just kind of popped in. Have you ever had the need to do Therex for yourself, like on yourself, to improve or to alleviate discomfort? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then has there ever been a time where you felt it, you know exactly what you should be doing, but you don't? Wait, say that again? So let's say, for an example... You have knee pain, all right? And you know what you need to do on a regular base, mm-hmm. particular exercises to alleviate the discomfort of your knee. Mm-hmm. But you don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know, I know people, I know myself, you know, Sean, my fiance. I know a lot of other PTs and chiropractors and. EPs that um, know the solution to how to alleviate or or remedy their own impairments, mm-hmm. but don't. They don't do it. They'll right. just kind of like wait it out, like a regular person would, mm-hmm. right? So I think I think sometimes we have to acknowledge that actually being disciplined to when you wake up. You do these four, five, six exercises every day until you're symptom-free. And then on top of that, you should maintain these exercises on a regular. You should keep doing them for as long as you possibly can because it's going to prevent. Yeah. But we fail to do it for the most part. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, big ups to the people who actually fucking do them and they do them all the time. I mean, I see people who are like, hey, man, I saw, I'm still doing your exercises. Yeah. You know, it's like four years ago. You're still fucking doing these exercises. That's fucking awesome because yeah. I don't do them. True. You know what I mean? Like, damn, that's like you're you're legit for, mm-hmm. for actually being so dedicated and doing what you got to do. When me, I know what I'm doing and I know what I should be doing, but I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't do them. I mean, you gave me a really poor way of being able to bring this up. Well, a great way of me getting a mild humble brag in here. <laughs> but I tell my patients constantly. I have I have three mottos. Right. One is surround yourself with knowledge, so you have nothing to fear. Because I feel like if you know what's going on with you and you know what to do about it, you're not afraid of what's happening to you, right? I think that kind of goes back to our whole pain science talk. Yeah. Number two is to play every day. Do something that makes you happy because otherwise, what it, what is it all worth? And then number three, I take on my own and I practice what I preach, right? I work out five to six times a week. Why? Because it's preventative. Two, if I have an opportunity where I'm feeling something different, I know what I need to do, that gives me the chance to do it. And when I tell a patient that I'm doing a quad heel rock or a cat camel pretty frequently, or at least 10 squats a day, I'm doing it because I know it's good. And yeah, no, I've had pains and things like that. Like every, for a while there, twice a year, I would get this weird hip pain. It would just come on real bad. I have a friend do some lateral mobilizations and some posterior glides on it. We'll do a mo- uh, lumbar gapping manipulation on it, and I felt much better. And they'd tell me to do a couple things. I'd be like, all right, cool, cool, cool. I did them that day, and then I'd forget about it until I started being frequent about my exercise routine and this and that. And I haven't felt it in years. Like, And my PTAs and other people that I treat just kind of common daily type things, like, that a script, of course, or anything. They they get mad at me because they're like, well, can you just fix it? And I was like, all right, sure, like, I'll do this. But, all right, now roll over. Let's do this next. And yeah. they're like, dang it, I thought we were just going to, like, you were just going to do this, I'd feel fine. I was like, yeah, no, you feel fine, but why do you feel bad in the first place? Yeah. Like, And I think that's what makes a huge difference is like, if you don't get back to that, they're just going to keep coming back. And, mm. and that's kind of that... Okay, it's a poor business model, but it's what's better for the person in front of you. Yeah. I mean, look, you got to give them all the tools. You got to encourage them to do it. Um, I don't think it's a poor business model. I think it's just the way the human body is built. We're just, you know, you're like a fine oiled machine that needs fine tuning from time to time. You know? I have trouble with that analogy. Do you really? Yeah. I'd love to know. Why? Because rather than time to time, I don't think of it as like, maybe it's the way you intend it. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong here. But oftentimes I feel like that analogy is taken as, okay, you got to bring your shop to the, you got to bring your car to the shop every six months. Might as well get the oil changed, rotate the tires, et cetera, et cetera, right? But for what I see it as is more it's not that you bring it every six months it's that you do these things on a daily basis you clean your car you check the oil you run the engine you check this and that frequently 
so you don't have to bring it to the shop so often. I totally, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you because I feel like, you know that the whole car shop analogy, or you know, you need to tune up every now and then. Like, I feel like that often gets taken too far. Whereas it's like, okay, well, I'll see you in a couple six months, anyways, when something else happens. I'm sure you didn't mean it that way. No, I mean, I mean, no, I, I, I did mean it that way in the sense that real, realistically. You don't normally take your car in. You take it for your oil, right? <laughs> but you don't take it in for a diagnostic assessment every six months. You don't. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't take it in to the for, for the mechanic to assess and evaluate, and then tell you like how much oil you should change and replace on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, we're gonna screw you until unicorns are flying around the exhaust pipes. <laughs> That's what people podcast. think about us. <laughs> <laughs> right? Pretty much. Um, but for the most part, I feel like I feel like people realistically, I mean, we have to encourage them, we have to empower them, we have to equip them with the right amount of uh, ammunition and, and, and the tools to be able to actually carry that out. But I don't think people will do it. You know what I mean? It's in in the ideal world. Yes, you need want you want to prevent, but when people have the tools right in front of their hands, they won't even apply those those techniques to prevent. And so how do you expect everyone? When I say everyone, I'm saying everyone to actually apply these techniques to prevent. I think it's based on motivation. What is yes, the person's no, motivation? Exactly if if your car is like making clicking sounds like tick 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 you'll fucking take it in. Yeah. Now if you would have taken it in a month ago, two months ago, it's been four or five months past the due date where you should be taking your car in and now it's making sounds because of the sound you're gonna take it in. Pain sometimes is a great motivator. And when you have pain involved, money, those things really don't matter. You just want it out of the way. Very few people actually approach preventative medicine in a rehabilitation setting in a rehabilitation setting way before any symptoms any signs of Mm -hmm. anything show up any signs of movement impairment shows up they just want to know yeah where i am that's i mean it's true the motivation is really what matters the most i mean to me i I've heard tons of different motivators, right? I mean, for me, it's because I know it feels good. Two, I feel like it, it makes me feel more confident in myself. Like, I have other people who know that their family has really poor genetic history of health issues, so they're like, well, I have to exercise or else I'm going to get what they get. Or, like you said, the biggest one of all is pain, right? If And people don't realize that they're doing something wrong all the time. So, and... But this also truly interplays with how we treat these patients. What's their, what's their motivation? Are they coming in just for me to fix it and show them a couple things and move on and get out? Or are they coming in to change their life a little bit? Right. If they are, then yeah, I can help with that. And I can help with the other thing too, right? But if they're not the patient that's going to be getting to the gym five days a week, or they're just the patient that wants to know why their hips giving them pain because they've been walking down the stairs for me for three days okay let's fix that and make sure that's a little bit better they don't want to be sweating and throwing up pain all over the place and and working hard and figuring out all these different things 
I'm not going to change their entire motivational aspect of things, but I can get them to buy into a couple of things, right? I like to say, give me 15 minutes out of your day. <laughs> 15 minutes. I know that's hard because I'm not going to take, I'm not going to take more than that. 15 minutes. The rest of your time is here. Here's with me. I'll make the most out of it. Right? Yeah. Most people can spare 15 minutes so they can wake up 15 minutes earlier. Yeah. If it's, if they have a strong enough motivation, now those patients that don't have any motivation are the patients that are just going to not show up. Right. Or the patients that we cure in those one or cure, quote unquote cure, the ones that we make them feel better in one to two visits, they might just not show up because they didn't really get the purpose of it. Mm. But that's when we have the issue of motivation versus teaching them more. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, giving them all the tools to succeed. I kind of have this, the devious way of like, all right, I'll give you some of the tools but next time on physical rehabilitation, I'll give you the, like, like next time we're going to talk about this and this and this and how it impacts you. So that way they kind of have a reason to come back. You know, yeah. That cliffhanger. Yeah. And at the same time, they can't, we humans cannot handle too much information. Right. I mean, chunking says you get seven plus seven plus or minus two into your short term memory until you integrate it into long term memory. Yeah. So you can learn a couple things each visit. Yeah. Until... At the end of it all, I've made the whole thing resound around, resound around one different point. You're going to get that one point in the middle. For sure. And that's one thing that I've totally learned. At first, I was like, I want to give them everything they need to know. And then I realized they can't. You can't. Right. It's not wanted. It's, mm. not, it, it's not accepted. And because it's not accepted, it's not going to be applied. And Doing often, more is not always better True. giving more right. giving them more is not always better i like the word we used on the last podcast because i listened to it recently it's not more is not better but optimal is better optimal is right? better yeah, but right. i'm only talking about like exercises giving them giving them right. material to do you're talking about the same thing yeah yeah so, oh, okay but you giving, give them you're the, saying giving them the optimal amount yeah, give them the optimal exercise yeah. for that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. And give them the optimal amount of information for that moment. Don't give them too much because then you're going to start to get that that nodding look and the constant, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Which after two to three uh-huhs, you're like, okay, you're not taking you're into not account taking any it of this. Like, and, and, you recognize and you get it. That. Yeah. So once you, so once you hit that, I... I tend to kind of start to make a note of okay go over this again next time and i do a lot of teach reteach like i'll teach them something one day and in that same session at the end i'm going to be like next time i'm going to ask you about these things that we talked about today so when they come in the next time they have to teach me Perfect. what i told them so that way okay they retained it and at the end of the day they're probably going to go tell their friends and neighbors and all these people okay i learned something new as long as it's true information because when they come in i'm gonna be like okay what did you learn and then modify what they said like make sure they're saying the right things you mm -hmm. know so you know it's so interesting because we talk about all this stuff and we try to make therapy a standardized technique a standardized oh, approach be, and it you cannot because it's so dependent the success of therapy is so dependent 
on the characterization of the person you're treating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the building blocks of who that person is, their experience in life, their their acceptance to to information, their their physiological response to intervention, their emotional response to intervention. Just every just it it it's so intertwined. You know what it's, I mean? It's so convoluted reason and for purpose. Sure. That's why you keep hearing people market this uh, quote you know this is an individualized program but in reality their program is not individualized it's right. based on a on a protocol that everyone in this category gets these exact same approach and mm-hmm. you know it's it's so hard it's funny so I, I love telling this story because it always cracks me up but it's so true there's so much about how we try and standardize things for the same thing. But doing the same thing isn't necessarily wrong. I think it's a great example of some of the things we've talked about already so far. Is So I, I worked at a, a clinic, one of, in my opinion, the most well-respected clinics in the Houston area. And at one point I looked down the way and all six therapists had patients doing the exact same exercise at the same time and or at least within the same like 10 minute span and i was like now they're doing it, now they're doing it. And they're like, why is everyone doing this darn exercise like are we supposed to be standardized or are we supposed to be individualized and then i walked up to each therapist and everyone gave me a completely different reason why they were doing it and to me that is what really defines it like That's we're so doing some of the same techniques for different purposes and as long as you can define the purpose as to why you're doing it that's a really good point then it's fine like yeah i may have someone do bridges and have the person on the table that next to them doing the exact same exercise as long as they're not telling them he's doing this for this reason and he's doing this for this reason on me yeah but you can write i mean this look this is a really great point this is a really good point that you just made right now but you can literally rationalize just about anything if you really wanted to. Right. You know, I mean, there is enough research out there to justify any side True. of the fence. True. You know, you can have. Um, you know, I, I I think I think the the split moment is when you choose an exercise based on optimal benefit. Or convenience because look hip bridges you know is is so basic but it's so frequently prescribed to such a wide range of population you can rationalize it for your ankle you can rationalize it for your knee you can rationalize it for your hip you can rationalize it for you know uh, 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 functional capability mm-hmm. but is it actually the best one that you could pick for this particular person? I, I don't know. I mean, that just, that just depends. But um, you see that pretty often. But I do like, I do like you what you said right now. It's 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 it's, it's, it's it is interesting. I mean, you can. It's right. There's not. Maybe you aren't doing the most optimal thing. But I feel like there always is a way of doing the optimal thing within that rationalize, rationalization of something. Like, I always say there's two exercises that 
any patient with any joint pain or dysfunction can benefit from. And but it's not because they're doing that exercise, it's because they're doing a variation of that exercise in some way. Alright? And those two are planks and sit to stands. Planks and sit to stands. Right. As long as you can do I love the like, sit to stands. You can tell do, me like, about the everyone planks. Everyone does a sit to stand. A plank works on every single joint within the motion. And you can always add a variation to it, right? Yeah, but a plank is not always is necessary or, or, or effective. A plank doesn't get... Because if you... What, what, why do you do a plank? We're going what into is a, a different podcast here. But, I know, I know. Maybe but, we should get into that later. But, but I, it's just I, interesting. I'm not a fan of the plank. I absolutely the reason, love the plank. I don't, I'm not a big fan, fan of the plank. I don't... We will argue with this later. Cause we should. One sure. of these days you're gonna do a plank and you're gonna realize. No, I you, do. Gonna, I do. No. I do plenty of planks. Do you know you what? Really let's let's do party. this. How about I challenge you to my exercises that would no, influence no. the intrinsic do, core? Let's do a plank off. <laughs> let's do a plank off. <laughs> but what's the purpose of the plank? What, are you, so what are you trying to? Reasons. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll into talk. that next. This will anyway, be next time. This will but, be next time planks are, are hugely important why and they work on so many different joints throughout the body i mean i loved you all the way into that point i wanted yeah. to give you a hug right now no it's true though i, mean, I still like, want to give you a hug You're they, they definitely do they awesome. definitely they definitely have an impact on so many different ways and i find that i'm not saying they don't have an impact they have an impact okay, now you're about to yell at me and we already said it's another podcast party okay, <laughs> okay go on go i could talk to you about planks all day another day let's talk about it okay but so the the reason I love these these two exercises is because they can be modified in so many different ways, both statically, dynamically, with progression of resistance or progression of mobility components to them, and the and those two things are hugely important because every patient can benefit from those things and each joint. Right? How, how do you start to convince that a squat's good for the shoulder? Well, you move the shoulder with a squat and add weight to it. Right? Same thing with the plank and the same way with moving the ankle joint, the knee joint, the hip joint, and all those different exercises. If you find an exercise that works on every joint, fucking sell the hell out of it. Because <laughs> if it works every joint in the body, you're doing something right, and it's probably something to be modified for everybody. The plank works every joint? Okay. So what kind of contraction do you get out of planks? Contraction? Yeah. Define stability versus strengthening. No, just doesn't matter. What type of contraction do you normally get with a in a plank? You get lots of contractions. What, what do you mean? What type? Isometric. A lot of it's isometric. A lot is isometric. Yeah. Right. So how... Do we live constantly moving or are we ever standing? <laughs> what? We okay, often we should stand. talk about this later because yeah. I'm going to love yeah. this one. Yeah. <laughs> this one. Win. As always. <laughs> All right. I think I think we're about we're about 54 minutes in. I always want oh, to cut this port. I'm going to cut this portion out. But I am so excited about next episode because we're going definitely going to be talking about, you know, planks and other squats, ways of uh, hitting every your... joint in the body. Because that's the yeah. most important thing. Yeah. So the next debate is going to be on the plank. Yeah. But I think this one was great. And we got a chance to... Oh, this to was phenomenal. Listen, honestly, I this was more of an emotional, um, more of a uh, uh, yeah, emotional... Heart-centered. Heart-centered and, yeah. thing. 
uh, because these are really what everybody feels when they're working with people. We're just afraid to say it. We're just afraid of, to say it, exactly. So I hope whatever you take out of this is that whatever you're feeling is normal, just pursue the best you can be. And, and uh, at always the end try of to the day, more. continue to ask the question, what the fuck is really happening? Yeah. Because like we said earlier, that's what pushes you to be better, and that's your motivation. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. It comes full circle. Absolutely. Totally agree, man. Thanks for being here. Uh, Brian is having a lot of hard time with moving out of his uh, current apartment. It was a rough day, guys. Rough day. And uh, he still he got out of work late, and he still made time to come over to my place and uh, put this podcast together. So I hope you guys enjoy it. If you have any questions, always let us know. Please do. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a great evening. Good night. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like and follow our social media and tune in next time for more WTF is really happening in all things physical rehabilitation.